Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Radio family, good morning and welcome. Once again, the weekend edition of Community Focus gets underway here on our intercom stations. Thank you. You are right here with me, Renee Vaughn, every weekend, Saturday and Sunday mornings. To hear about the good things that are taking place in our communities. Thankfully, we have made it through another week and another weekend is upon us to get to you once again, important information and especially accurate information. Now, we do want to continue, of course, on the very important topic of COVID-19, as we also know as the coronavirus. And I am just so happy to have another new member of our community focused family. It continues to grow in that when it comes to persons who do have that knowledge, these are the folk that I seek out to help all of us as a community radio family. And I'm very happy to add to our community-focused family, Dr. Cherie Gregory. And Cherie, we have established that I can interchangeably refer to you as Cherie or as Dr. Gregory. First of all, good morning and how are you? Good morning, Renee. I am doing well. I hope you are. I am. Under these these trying times, we just take it one day at a time. And again, I am so happy to have you here on our public affairs program. Now, this is how quick newbies become family. You're already that in just a couple of minutes of our conversation this morning. So again, welcome. Thank you. You're so welcome. Now, Cherie, you are a physician who specializes in vascular neurology, and you also happen to be Novant Health's chief health equity officer. So you have quite the title, and I know you have a lot to share with our listening audience this morning. And as regard, when we talk about subject matter, such as the coronavirus, and we're talking about COVID-19, there are two things that, of course, when we talk about just health in general, that are of importance. And I'm referencing stroke and heart attack cases that are happening at hospitals across the nation, something that no doubt you as a physician have experienced here locally in our area But unfortunately, people aren't having fewer strokes or heart attacks just because of COVID. And that's where I really want to get our conversation started by asking you, is COVID-19 impacting the way people are seeking care and in what ways? So it's really a two-part question to get us started. Yes, Renee. In fact, it's really concerning. Uh, Since COVID-19 has hit our communities, we've noticed that 
emergency room visits for things like heart attack and stroke Mm -hmm. are down significantly. When we look across the country, some of those uh, hospitals that were reporting to us are saying that those numbers are down nearly 40%. Wow. When you factor in other emergencies, those visits are down 50% across the board, and that is really frightening. And when we look at the national data and even here locally, the fact that hospital emergency room visits are down means that people are not seeking care in the way that they need to. Right. And while while we would expect a decrease in in accidents, for Mm. instance, car accidents, driving cars, we wouldn't expect to see a decrease in in heart attacks and, and, and strokes. And so we're really concerned that people are... Um, perhaps afraid to come to emergency departments and seek care for what ordinarily would be considered a health care crisis. Absolutely. And when you factor into that, Cherie, the fact that, of course, many of us, as far as our families, we're still under stay-at-home orders in which it does become a, a life and literally a life or death decision as to what to do, because we are trying to make sure that our safety is in place. But at the same time, when you think about something that is to the extreme of a stroke or a heart attack and that needs the proper medical care, making the decision of, well, what do I do going forward? But I also wanted to ask, what concerns do these trends raise? So what's happening, Renee, is patients are waiting to the last minute. So they're arriving to the emergency department and they're gravely ill. Mm-hmm. And delaying their care makes it less likely that they're going to have good outcomes. And we realize at Novon Health that patients are making these decisions out of, out of an abundance of caution. Right. We also realize that they don't understand that delaying an emergency is dangerous and that it can have long-term side effects and potentially even cause death. Absolutely. Because I was also thinking to uh, Dr. Gregory getting back to this. And when we think about health disparities in general, is there a particular group with which you're finding the numbers are a little higher, especially if we compare it, say, between men and women who seem to be at greater risk, even though both groups are obviously But for you as a physician and what you see on a regular basis, do you find that there are more women as opposed to men having heart attacks or vice versa? I appreciate the question. We've spent a lot of time recently talking about who's most at risk for COVID-19, people who are mature age, African-Americans and diabetics. This is a good time to talk about who's really at risk for stroke and heart attack. Absolutely. Populations are at risk and what Uh, We knew before COVID-19 hit our communities is that women and African-Americans were less likely to call 911 Mm -hmm. than their And so with the concern about COVID-19, we're worried that those findings will continue to be a problem uh, and maybe even an increased problem in in our communities. And when there's delay in care, for instance, in stroke, the likelihood that there will be irreversible brain damage and for heart, irreversible muscle damage to the heart, and maybe even long-term disability and death. Mm -hmm. I'm concerned that patients who have um, many other illnesses like diabetes, high blood pressure, um, being overweight, smoking, those things are more often seen in some communities than others. People of color, 
are more at risk for stroke and heart attack. Mm -hmm. And this concerns us in these times. Now, Dr. Gregory, is that also having an impact age-wise? Are you finding that more, per se, younger people? Because typically when we think about a a stroke or a person having a heart attack, some at least, and and I'll admittedly say that, you know, when I was younger, I would always think, well, that was something that happened to older persons, say like my mother or my father or my grandparents. But what about persons who are outside of that older or senior adult age range? What we realize is that young Americans are at risk for stroke and heart attack. And when we ask them if they're at risk, it's mm-hmm. exactly what you mean. They don't realize that they are. Yeah. One of the things that's the most concerning is that, uh, let's say African-American women, if we look at that population, right. um, over the age of 20, at least one out of five of them have some risk factor for heart disease. And so now with COVID-19, they may not go to doctors and seek care or go to the emergency department and seek care for symptoms that uh, they don't even connect to being a part of stroke or, or heart attack because they think they're too young right. to have those events. Absolutely. And I think it really, at times, uh, Dr. Gregory may present itself in a situation where a young person, I think, sometimes believe that they may be invincible because they are at that age. You know, they're they're young, they're strong, they're in their youth, they're in their vigor. So likely nine times out of 10, they don't think about occurrences like this happening in their daily lives. That's true. And one of the things we're beginning to learn about COVID-19 is that it may actually thicken the blood. Mm-hmm. So we're to see stroke in younger patients as a result of having COVID-19, and it isn't necessarily in the very sick COVID-19 patients. Right. We're actually seeing some patients who have minimal symptoms as well. So that could be another reason why there's a young person who is experiencing heart attack or stroke mm-hmm. in a way that imagine they could. Absolutely. And you know what, Dr. Gregory, Cherie, that really ties in wonderfully with the next question I wanted to ask you. These are likely scenarios where sometimes we may not take our symptoms seriously. So can you remind us of the symptoms of heart attack and stroke? Absolutely. And one of my favorite ways to remember symptoms for a stroke is the word FAST. Mm-hmm. So F stands for face, A is for arm, S is for speech, and then T is time to call 911. And while not every stroke presents that way, if we think about things that make the face weak, an arm or a leg weak, especially if it's weakness on one side of the body, right? and it's sudden, a sudden confusion or trouble talking or swallowing or understanding, these are things that uh, connect us to the possibility that it may be a stroke. It could even be dizziness or, or lack of balance and falling down. Mm-hmm. Attack perspective, Many patients experience chest pain. We realize that women don't always experience chest pain as the number one symptom, although we do see chest pain in women, but they often have nausea, cold sweat. Sometimes the pain is in the jaw or the shoulder. Mm -hmm. And so what I want people to understand is if it's a sudden onset of symptoms that aren't your normal way of being, walking, talking, acting, feeling when you're moving around, like shortness of for instance, that that suddenness is an indication that you may be experiencing an emergency. 
Absolutely. And thank you for really emphasizing that. Because for many of us, uh, Dr. Gregory, these these are very stressful times in in the sense that this is something that I'm sure for you as a physician and just the whole medical community and really for us as a community of residents, this is new for a lot of us. We've never experienced anything like this before. So I really appreciate you getting us off to a good start with the great information that we're hearing thus far. Let me ask you this one question, too, before we go to break. Are there any other conditions or symptoms that persons should be on the lookout for and know without a doubt this is an emergency? Thank you, Renee, for the question. Sure. Now, we're worried that um, patients are experiencing abdominal pain or pelvic pain or significant loss of function in how the blood is flowing to their legs and the the color is changing in their legs. This could be a sign for appendicitis or problems inside the pelvis that could ultimately lead to significant infection. We want people to come to the emergency department and get checked out. One of the biggest concerns, particularly for the diabetic population, is that if they're getting good blood flow to a limb, that they could potentially even lose a limb if care isn't provided immediately. Mm -hmm. And so any sudden onset of pain uh, that is new for our patients and for people in the community should be addressed immediately. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Gregory, Cherie, again, welcome to the Community Focus family. Thank you for this wonderful information you've shared with us thus far. I'm happy to say I have a few more questions for you so we can really get into more of our conversation this morning in sharing the information. And to thank you and to the entire staff over at Novant Health for doing what you're doing to help members of our communities. We really appreciate your time. Thank you. You're so welcome. So, Cherie, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, Radio family, I know you're going to stick around, Cherie. Let's uh, do take a break. Come back. We will have a part two of our public affairs show. And again, let me officially welcome you as the newest member of our community focused family. So you're family now. Thank you. You're very welcome. And Radio family, thank you for being here as well. Your great company, always appreciated. And indeed, after this break, there is more of the weekend edition of Community Focus. We will be back right after this. And Radio Family, we are back. It is more of the weekend edition of Community Focus. Thanking you so much for your wonderful company again, Saturday and Sunday mornings, welcoming those of you who may be joining us. Thank you for tuning in. And of course, those who have been with us since the beginning of the program. To hear me, Renee Vaughn, along with Dr. Cherie Gregory, a physician specializing, again, in vascular neurology and Novant Health's chief health equity officer. We have been talking, uh, Cherie, as related to COVID-19, really continuing our conversation and just health disparities in general. But as the coronavirus relates to stroke and heart attack and knowing what to do, especially the importance of if you feel the symptoms that you mentioned earlier in the program, the importance of seeking the appropriate medical care, ASAP, pretty much. I wanted to uh, shift gears a little bit or at least add to our conversation as we continue. When we're speaking about COVID-19, another thing that is a big issue in our communities, and that is mental health. Now, we know without doubt this is a very difficult topic 
for many people to talk about. But how could someone know if what they're experiencing is normal or if they need any additional support? Let's focus on that for a few minutes. It's important that people know that if they're feeling anxious about coronavirus, that they're not alone. This isn't just something that um, happens to people who have always felt a little bit depressed or a little bit anxious. It is really normal with the times that we are in to have a sense of uncertainty. Our communities are facing something that they have not faced before. Exactly. What we worry about is the times when people experience extreme emotional stress Mm -hmm. or distress. So there are times when you can be a little bit irritable, um, lose your sleep. These are things that we normally see when people begin to worry so much that they have no hope or that they're contemplating suicide or turning to substances like uh, alcohol or drugs in order to self treat Mm -hmm. that for health is really a red flag that um, something uh, that is really stressful for everyone has become a bigger problem um, for people who are having trouble adjusting. Absolutely. Dr. Gregory, let's look at the flip side of that. How can we, whether we are family members or close friends or associates, how can we be able to see any warning signs that may be there with that individual that may be sort of um, what's what's the phrasing that I'm looking for kind of sets off that light bulb to say that, you know, there's something that's not typically as far as their behavior or their attitude, something that's not usual with that individual that can help us get the help or to help them seek the support that they need when it comes to mental health. And when it comes to mental health, um, many people uh, are concerned about the stigma right. of identified as having a mental health um, diagnosis. And mm-hmm. so keeping keeping communication open, right. even at times of social distancing, we can mm-hmm. still connect by talking with each other Absolutely. and sharing feelings and admitting when we're afraid. And when we see that someone needs support or would like guidance, um, either for themselves or to help a loved one that's struggling with depression, anxiety, drug use. Right. Um, one of the things that we recommend at Novant Health, we have a 24-hour helpline, mm-hmm. 1-800-718-3550 to speak with a counselor. Sometimes these challenges are beyond what we're able to do as friends and family, and we need expert help. Absolutely. So it's and supporting each other, but also recognizing that sometimes taking care of each other may be out of our scope and then relying on the experts at Nova on Health to get you connected to a master level therapist who may be able to understand what next steps should be for you or for someone that you love. And thank you for saying that because you're so right. Communication is so important. It is so needed. And and sometimes you're right. It is hard to have a difficult conversation such as mental health, because I think a lot of us across the generations have always seen it either as a stigma or it was just something that was taboo. You didn't speak about it. It was that secret or that 
whatever was going on in the family that you just didn't talk about, especially with other people who didn't know you as a person or didn't know the intimacies of a family. But nowadays, and you touched on this earlier, how crucial it is, especially when it comes to communication between us as individuals and our doctors. That's why you are in the position as a physician to provide the care that we need. And I really do appreciate you sharing that. Yes, because sometimes it is beyond our knowledge as family members and friends to to provide that support, especially when it gets to that level in which we do need to seek professional care from a person such as yourself. Let me ask you this. Yes, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, I was going to ask in terms of this next question. What if someone needs to see a doctor, but it's not an emergency? How can they know what can be put off for what, shall we say, consider a little bit? And then what should not be ignored? We really don't recommend putting off care. Mm -hmm. What we realize now is that people are experiencing new illnesses or worsening of of old symptoms. So what we've done at Novant Health Health is uh, create a 24-7 helpline so that people can understand if their symptoms are related to coronavirus or something different. You can call 1-87-NOVANT, well, excuse me, 1-877-9-NOVANT. And it's a resource to be able to understand if you're having something that's an emergency or not. Right. If you're having that are COVID-19 or not. We've really set up a way that we can connect with you. Mm -hmm. uh, You don't necessarily have to go directly to the emergency department for mild symptoms or directly to your clinic. You can call us and we can advise you on where to care that is non-emergent, but still incredibly important. Absolutely. And and another thing too, uh, Dr. Gregory, that I was thinking about too with the importance of this number is that it really is of benefit for us to constantly stay in contact with you, mainly because information is constantly changing about COVID-19. New information is coming in, and I've emphasized this to our radio family before. It is really important to get the accurate information because there's so much misinformation about this virus that's out there. Absolutely. And one of our goals at Novant Health is to be sure that every venue of care and all of our providers are up to date. And sometimes these updates are minute to minute. Right. Renee, exactly. we want to be able to share with the communities exactly what they need to know mm-hmm. at this time of uncertainty. So whether it's at a Go Health urgent care or one of our primary care practices or one of our hospitals, any facility of Novant Health where we provide care, If you connect with us, we'll be able to share with you a little bit more about what you're experiencing in terms of your medical symptoms and advise you on the best place to go and the best way to get care. And that's excellent. And that what to me, uh, Cherie, Dr. Gregory, brings is, is peace of mind, especially when we are dealing with difficult situations such as this. Let me, first of all, again, thank you for being on the program and take this opportunity to welcome those who may be joining us. You are listening to the weekend edition of Community Focus here on our intercom stations every Saturday and Sunday morning. 
getting the information to you, Radio Family, about good people who are doing some wonderful things in our communities. And again, that is the case with Dr. Cherie Gregory, a physician specializing in vascular neurology. And once again, she's also Novant Health's Chief Health Equity Officer. Dr. Gregory, I wanted to address the cause of the fear of COVID-19 directly. What additional precautions would you say has Novant Health put in place? We really enhanced the safety measures that we've always had, um, Renee, and have included patient screenings and team member screenings to ensure the highest level of safety in each of our, our venue spaces. We require masking for our team members who are taking care of patients. We've enhanced uh, the cleaning and disinfection processes at all of our facilities. In the emergency department, if you were to arrive with an emergency, the first thing that you'll experience is a special team that understands from you, whether you have respiratory symptoms and potentially if you have Mm COVID-19, and we're able to quickly separate those patients from the rest of the treatment area so that we can give best care to potential COVID-19 patients Mm -hmm. while also giving best care to patients that don't have COVID-19. And for the most part, most of the patients in the hospital are not COVID-19 positive, which is why we really want people to feel comfortable coming to the hospital for their care. Absolutely. Now, what about in the clinic setting? Are clinics open and are they seeing patients? Yes, I'm glad you asked that, Renee, because there has been some thought that maybe all of our clinics have closed. Our clinics are open. In fact, they were never closed. Healthcare is such an essential service to the community that we have remained connected to our patients. Mm -hmm. Sometimes in ways, people don't necessarily want to come to see us, so they've called us on the phone. We've used telemedicine. Mm -hmm. We've basically provided all of the care with the exception of non-essential surgeries at this time in order to ensure that our patients get the most remarkable care they can. And now we're also beginning to open up our surgeries for non-time sensitive surgeries as well. Very good. So with that in mind, are clinics taking as many precautions as the hospitals are? Absolutely. We're taking very similar precautions to ensure physical and social distancing Mm -hmm. while addressing clinical concerns of our patients. We've lowered the number of patients in the clinic at one time. We've created workflows that allow fewer people in our waiting areas. And we've even delivered care at your vehicle when we needed to. And we've made sure that we don't have as many visitors in the space as we have in the past to decrease the likelihood of COVID-19 exposure while providing remarkable care to everyone who needs it when they come to our clinic. Excellent. And Cherie, that really factors into my next question, because this has been a concern for, especially for us as loved ones, that if we have someone that we care about that is in the hospital, can we talk about visitor restrictions a little more? Sure. First, we care very much for our patients and our loved ones also. And we realize that it's stressful if you're not able to visit as often as you normally would. But that's a vital way that we protect our patients Mm -hmm. and our team members. One of the things that people don't always know is that there are some exceptions. So if you are a laboring mom, 
if you are at the end of life and you need to have at least one visitor or in a critical care area, we've made some exceptions to allowing people to have at least one visitor while making sure that we screen everyone and make clear that it's still safe in our facilities. Absolutely, because that made me think too, uh, Dr. Gregory, it wouldn't surprise me if people were actually avoiding care because they were afraid of being at the hospital alone, but you addressed that beautifully. The next question then becomes, how long will visitor restrictions be in place? So we're following the CDC guidelines very carefully Mm -hmm. and uh, watching for the number of new cases and what the experience is locally. And we don't have a specific date, honestly, Renee, on when we will open visitation. We have a specific goal. The goal is that when we do that, it is at a time when we believe it is the safest for our patients and for our communities to do so. And we want to support each of our patients when we can and allowing them to have visitation. Mm -hmm. Biggest goal is to be sure that the work that we do doesn't allow for an increase in infection with COVID-19. Absolutely, because as you just said, the safety of everyone is is the goal and is is the key to that. Well, you touched a little bit on this, but I wanted to uh, address it again. Uh, Dr. Gregory, a specific concern that I've heard that being pregnant women are being forced to deliver their babies alone. There's no truth to that, is it? That's right. That's not accurate. Laboring moms are allowed to have a birth partner of their choice to accompany them. And we're also supporting moms Mm -hmm. that connected to other resources like doulas who are typically women that are not OBGYNs, but are there to provide guidance and support. We've used technology to be able to connect moms to other support persons outside of uh, the one person that they've chosen to be their birth partner Mm -hmm. so that what should be a really terrific time um, in someone's life with the support that they need can be as supported as possible. Absolutely, because that's one of the most important things is when when a mother is bringing a, a precious new life into the world, it's a beautiful experience. Now, I have also heard reports that women are choosing to deliver at home. What should women know before making that a crucial decision? I want to caution families uh, that are considering home birth due to fear of COVID-19. While we often think of pregnancy and labor as very natural processes, Mm -hmm. they don't come without risk. And there's a potential that there may be bleeding and other complications, both for the mom and for the baby. That's why Novant Health Women and Children's Institute has provided guidelines for how to care for women when they are birthing in our facilities, including universal testing of all labor and delivery moms, uh, regardless of whether they have symptoms or not, to protect our pregnant moms and our staff in order to ensure that every measure is put into place for women to have the safest possible option, which we believe is hospital birth, and not worry about COVID-19. Now, we maintain that our hospitals can provide that safe birth experience mm-hmm. rather than the alternative of choosing a home birth and when someone may not be able to safely do that right. and to deliver a baby safely and take care of that baby after the baby's born. Very true, Dr. Gregory, because the, the environment is so important. We want to make sure that our mothers-to-be 
have the ideal environment for, for giving birth to that child? We talked about communicating with, with providers. And Renee, what, what I would say is that if a pregnant mom is really worried and thinking about birthing at home, mm-hmm. that they should reach out to their provider for a discussion. We understand the fears right. and we're able to explain how we can take care of you in the hospital right. and increase the likelihood that you'll do well as a mom mm-hmm. and that your baby will also. So just communicate with us if you're afraid and we'll, we'll help you to understand the best way to bring your baby into the world. And Cherie, you just took the words right from right out of my mouth. The key, again, being communication between the mom and really any family member that is also involved in this process, having that communication with you as a physician and as the provider for that particular family. I tell you what, Dr. Gregory, time always flies when one is in good conversation. And this has been, as usual, very informative. I want to personally thank you for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to share this information. I do have one last uh, question that I would like for you to address. And that's just basically asking, what do you want the community? What do you want us as a radio listening family to know, particularly as it pertains to COVID-19? The most important thing to know is that you're not by yourself. We are here for you. At Novant Health, safety is our top priority, and we're prepared to care for you, whether it's as an outpatient or in our emergency departments and in our hospitals. We want to be the community's trusted care provider. We have done everything that we can to make it safe for you to come to a Novant Health facility and to an outpatient clinic and to get your care. Do not delay care. I think that's the most critical is that we as your providers are worried that if you stay home, when you clearly have an emergency or concerns, Mm -hmm. that we can take care of you. And even with COVID-19, we want to be sure that you get the best and most remarkable care possible. Absolutely. And I think to add to uh, Dr. Gregory, and and feel free to uh, elaborate or expound on this, When we talk about care, care is basically 24 hours, and we really want our listeners to know that the care that comes through Novant Health and the care that comes through medical professionals like yourself, that you're there for us 24 hours. This isn't a nine-to-five type of thing. Care is important around the clock, correct? Yes, and I would say that our EMS uh, colleagues um, are there for you as well. Right. So... Call 911 mm-hmm. when you have an emergency. Call after hours when you're not sure about whether your symptoms are COVID-19 symptoms or you have other symptoms and you just need guidance for where to go for care. Right. we be there 24-7. Absolutely. And thank you for being there for us as a community. So if I can be the voice of our listeners uh, today. Dr. Gregory, I just want to extend a thank you again for what you and everyone affiliated with Novant Health. I thank you for mentioning that because when we think about those who are on the front lines, who are our doctors and our nurses, there are other groups of people that sometimes go unnoticed. We know that there are those who are perhaps volunteers there at Novant Health, even on down to the cleaning and janitorial staff who do their best to keep the medical facility 
as clean as possible to protect the patients. There are just so many individuals, and of course we can't name everyone by name. We just unfortunately don't have that type of time or kind of time. But just the fact that we want to recognize all the individuals are doing what they can to keep us safe as a community, I just want to say thank you and really appreciate all that you do. On behalf of the Novant Health team members, it's a privilege and a pleasure to take care of our communities. Absolutely. And hopefully, Dr. Gregory, this won't be our only conversation. I hope that under better circumstances, I can get you back on the program to continue to keep our our listening audience informed. As we talked about earlier, the information is constantly changing as regard to COVID-19. And so it's really important I feel in in the line of work that I do, I want to continue. And for all of us here at our intercom stations to keep our listeners informed with the best information and the way to do that is to stay in contact with the best professionals, which, of course, includes you. So I look forward to hopefully, as we do bring our program to an end, Dr. Gregory, I usually sign off by saying there are no goodbyes with me just until next time. So hopefully there will be a next time for us to engage in another great conversation. Thank you, Renee. I look forward to it. Likewise. And thank you, Radio Family, for your great company. As always, you have been such a wonderful support of our intercom stations. And thank you, too. Many of you, of course, are doing great things in our communities. Please keep up the great work and indeed no goodbyes. Until that next time, stay safe. And thank you again for tuning in to another weekend edition of Community Focus. Until that next time, everyone take care. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.